Hi everyone, um, my name is Amy. I'm going to be giving a sermon today. Um, I love almost everything about using the lectionary text as a focus for our sermons and reflections in church. The only thing I don't love is that sometimes it means that sometimes, sometimes the Spirit leads us to focus on specific readings each week, and because of that, sometimes we'll look at scattered readings um, from a given book or um, of the Bible without looking um, at the several chapters that preceded it. Um, so sometimes we'll miss the larger context of the passage within which the text is from. Passage that the text, the text that the passage comes from. Um, today's reading from Ephesians is probably a familiar one, as it is um, commonly used when we're talking about gifts discernment. Along with the there are many gifts but the same spirit passage from 1 Corinthians, this passage is a staple when we look at questions of what gifts each of us brings to the church and how we're called to serve. The things we usually say about these passages are important and true. The body of Christ is united in the spirit and made up of many parts that each bring different gifts and each is equally important and needed. Um, I've noticed that we say, what we say about these two passages is often pretty similar um, because there's some overlap in the statements that the author makes in the two passages. But both of these passages exist in the context of different letters that seem to address churches going through different challenges. Um, so I wanna back up and talk about what's been discussed in the letter to the Ephesians in the chapter since the one we looked at a few weeks ago. The letter begins by talking about our adoption by God through Jesus, about our identity as God's children, an identity rooted not in our choice or our righteousness, but in God's choice of us. Mark discussed a few weeks ago about what it means to be adopted into the family of God, and we were challenged by both Chris and Rachel to think further about the, what the language of adoption means, um, about the power dynamics implied, about how the realities of human families form through adoption, might inform our understanding of what it means to be adopted children of God and adopted siblings of one another. Um, the early chapters of Ephesians contain several verses that Protestants often quote about the nature of salvation. Notably, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the results of work, so that no one may boast. We might have heard that one before. Um, but the letter as a whole um, actually is much more focused not on what it means to be an individual, um, means for an individual to be saved, um, but the bigger picture of um, what we're being saved for. God's action in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ was not just about saving individuals from death and giving those individuals a share of Christ's inheritance as God's children. We are saved to become part of the church, adopted not only that we might inherit, but so also that we might live as part of a family. Reconciling human beings to one another and tearing down divisions is not spoken of as um, kind of a, um, a bonus of, of um, what it means for us, of um, what faith means for us, um, or the ongoing work of the spirit. Um, Breaking down divisions was discussed as central to God's plan from the beginning. The text states that Jesus created in himself one humanity in place of the two, um, thus making peace 
and reconciled both groups to God in one body through the cross, putting to death that hostility through it. Um, the two that it's being referred there, I kind of pulled the quote out, but it's um, specifically talking about um, the reality of being a church that is um, comprised of people who were both Jews and people who were Gentiles um, prior to becoming, um, beginning to follow Christ. Um, but I think that it sort of implies um, about the divisions, all, all manner of divisions that um, are experienced by the church. Um, the ability of diverse people to become one body, united in spirit, is furthermore spoken of as a revelation of God's wisdom to spiritual powers and principalities. Um, it shows off God's plan for creation in all its beautiful complexity. God does not simply just rescue individuals. God transforms them, so reconciling them to one another that they can live in love with those who were once their enemies. And this is, like a, this is a preview of a new creation when everything that God made will live in peace with God and one another. The context of these earlier chapters changes how I hear the first line of the passage we read today. The letter states, I beg you to lead a worthy life, lead a life worthy of your calling. Oh, sorry. I beg you to leave a I beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Um, this can uh, be read more in terms of individual virtues. You as individuals are people that God have redeemed and call God's children. And as such, you should exhibit the characteristics fitting to that identity, such as humility, gentleness, patience, and so on. But specifically when read in the context of the previous chapters, um, I think the calling referred to here is not just our individual calling as children of God, but our corporate calling to be the church, um, one diverse humanity reconciled to each other. Um, I think that this is more apparent um, in the contemporary English version um, than in the one that we read today. Um, that translation states, I beg you to live in a way that is worthy of the people God has chosen to be God's own. Always be humble and gentle. Patiently put up with each other and love each other. Try your best to let God's spirit keep your hearts united. Do, the, do this by living at peace. You are all part of the same body. There is only one spirit of God, just as you were given one hope when you were chosen to be God's people. We only have, we have only one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. There is one God who is the father of all people. Not only is God above all others, but he works by using all of us, and he lives in all of us. Um, the contemporary English version is um, kind of similar to the message in that it is a translation that aims to translate the text into contemporary English idiom. Um, so, it does lead to making more interpretive choices than a more literal translation would. Um, but I think that the choices that um, those who made this translation uh, made here um, illuminate some things about the author's focus. I specifically love the, love the line, patiently put up with each other and love each other. Using that expression, put up with each other, illuminates the fact that living together as a family is hard and it might be something that we would not choose for ourselves if given the choice. Um, a few weeks ago, in response to the service, Rachel shared some questions um, 
that the metaphor of adoption in scripture um, that we had discussed brought up, brought up for her. When human parents adopt a child, they make the choice to adopt, to adopt, and ideally they choose to give their adopted child everything that they would give to a biological child. Yet that child does not choose to be adopted. They need to be adopted because children depend on others for safety and sustenance. And it is often trauma and loss that has left them in need of a family to care for them. Also, a child rarely chooses the specific family that adopts them, nor do their adoptive siblings choose to have them as a sibling. I spent some time thinking about how these realities of human families formed through adoption might inform our understanding of what it means to be children of God by adoption. There are ways um, that this metaphor does not line up with the reality of um, children who are adopted. Um, well, God chose us, chooses us to be God's adopted children, we choose whether we'll accept that identity as our own. Um, we can also decide how we will engage with our fellow children of God. We can choose to avoid church, or we could choose to join a church full of people who look, look and think like us, a church where we are not challenged in our assumptions, and where those who do not fit in are made to feel unwelcome. Well, the difference in agency that we experience as adult children of God would always have been a place where the metaphor becomes less precise. Um, I don't think the author of this epistle would have seen whether we engage our fellow children of God, whether we engage with our fellow children of God as something that we could, cho we could choose or not choose. Part of that would have been practical. There was not yet a prolifer proliferation of churches in any city. Also, the shared risk of practicing a prohibited religion can bind communities to get closer together. Um, the need to, need to um, support and um, help one another. Um, that reality is something that, of course, um, shaped Anabaptist tradition as well. Uh, but in the context, but the context of the letter suggests that living as a community with those different from uh, different from ourselves is not optional. It's a vital part of what it means to be children of God. Accepting our inheritance as God's children means accepting our place as members of God's family. We don't have the option of just being saved individuals, confident in our eternal destiny, but choosing not to live in community with our fellow children of God. We are saved for community. Jesus lived, died, and rose not just to reconcile us to God, but to reconcile us to each other, tearing down walls that divide and exclude. Diverse people becoming one humanity is a sign of the new world that God is creating. Participating in that community is a vital part of what the letter means by living in a way that is worthy of the people that God has chosen to be God's own. Forming the type um, of community envisioned here is going to be hard sometimes. We will need to put up with each other. We are commanded to love one another in action because we won't always feel love for each other. We won't always succeed in letting God's spirit keep our hearts united. Life together as a family is challenging. In fact, if we find that it is easy, we might need to ask ourselves some hard questions about how our community is embodying what it means to be the church. So the passage's statements um, about gifts come in the context of this discussion of what it means to live as the church. The text um, 
doesn't speak of spiritual gifts given to individuals, but the gifts given to God's people. These gifts are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The gifts discussed here are not supernatural powers. The gift is one another. God gives people to lead and serve in order to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until all of us reach maturity to the measure of the full stature of Christ. Living in community as the church does not only embody one of the ends of God's salvation, the reconciling of a diverse people to each other. It is also only through our life together, learning and serving alongside one another, that we can become the people that God made us to be.